0: Our message series of looking at mental and emotional health. Uh, we're going to be uh, landing here in just a few moments in the book of First Thessalonians, uh, chapter five. So, if you want to go ahead and make your way there, you can do that. It'll be uh, just a few moments before we get there. Uh, one thing that I want to remind you of is, on our church website and our church app, we have a message notes section to where you can follow along with the message. We have the scripture. Uh, on there and there's some questions that you can respond to and you can uh, email those uh, to yourself once you're done but it just kinda helps to assist and follow along and if you're not a um, a note taker on a pencil and a and a pad then uh, then you can do it electronically in that same link within that message notes is a, a page of questions that if you have any type of questions about the message uh, if there's something you'd like greater, for clar- greater clarification on, a point that you would like to see us expand just a little bit on, or if you have like a practical application of, hey, you said this, how do we do that practically in our lives? Uh, we're, we're wanting you to submit your questions. We'll be doing uh, here in the next couple of weeks an additional uh, audio and video podcast that we'll be releasing throughout the week uh, that will field these questions um, that, that you guys send in. And we've had quite a few uh, questions. There's been a lot of great conversations, a lot of good things happening over these past few weeks in the, uh, in the realm of questions within uh, this sermon series of uh, mental and emotional health as we're looking at these from a biblical perspective. Uh, and one of, the, one of the themes that continues to kind of circle through just about every conversation that I have, whether it be, uh, you know, with someone Uh, on the phone, text message, talking with somebody, is (laughs) they tend to make this statement. I have changed. I've changed. Um, And it usually will follow with the statement, something to the effect of, and I'm not certain that it's for the better during this time frame during this 16 month period i have changed there's been no doubt about that and i can i can pretty much tell you that when i say that i've changed in a lot of areas i've not changed for the better and there's so many people that are struggling with this there's so many people that are feeling this exact same way that this has affected me in a way and in multiple ways that i don't like but somehow, some way, I don't feel like I've been able to control this, and it's just affecting me. It's running me. It's it's, it, it's dictating what I do, and I don't like it. I've changed, and I'm not necessarily for certain that it's been for the better. So, if that's you in here this morning, if you felt that, if you have uh, felt this, and you're watching us online, this is what I want to address. Here this morning is this fact of, hey, I've changed, and it may not have been for the better. And one of the other themes that kind of goes along that I can truly, truly relate to is this concept of, and I think I mentioned it to somebody uh, in a conversation yesterday, like, I feel like on a scale of one to ten, that I stay at a pretty consistent 9 out of 10 on the verge of going off on somebody. of just like losing my patience, losing my cool, getting frustrated far quicker than, you know, and just really wanting to, I stay at a 9 out of 10 most of the time of really wanting to lay hands on someone suddenly. If you know what I mean which is different. That's one of the ways that I've kind of changed. You know, because at the beginning of this whole thing, in my whole life, well, maybe not my whole life, but for the majority of my adult life, I feel like I've been on the lower end of that scale. You know, and and that's kind of the target for us, right? That we stay, if, if we're on this zero to 10 scale of 10 being absolutely losing every bit of stuff that I have, and zero being completely calm and cool. I I'd like to think that most of the time I usually stayed at the lower end of that spectrum. And then it would take a lot, like to get me to work up to that eight, nine, 10 type thing. You know, and that was the process. That was how it went in my life. It's like, listen, man, I was just, you know, everything was breezy, man. Just for those of you who are friends fans in the house, you should at least smile at that point when I say, I'm breezy there's like two. Anyhow, okay, when jokes go flat, pastoral edition right here. But that was kind of the arc at that point, you know? It's like it would take a while for things to build up and ramp up, and I could feel it coming on, and I could take measures and hopefully do some steps and, you know, (sighs) you know, just to kind of try to level myself out. But now, I've changed in this regard that I feel like it's totally gone polar opposite of that. It's like I stay at like eight or nine out of 10 and when situations arise, I have to try really hard to work myself down. You know, like my, all of my energy, all of my efforts, all, of, all concentration that I can muster at that point is, well, in, in one of the great thinkers of our time, donkey from Shrek would say, I'm a donkey on the edge. You know, I mean, that's just kind of what I've dealt with, not only me personally, but in my conversations with you all as well, some of you all that you're feeling the exact same way. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the story uh, out of 1 Kings of Elijah. We looked at him and how he had these great, great conquests, that God did great things through him for him, and around him. And then Elijah loses his focus of God, and he, his perspective changes, and it alters, and it, it, it's no longer setting his mind on things above and on God himself, but he's starting to look at the external circumstances. And his focus shifted from his relationship with his father to what was happening in the flesh what was happening in the world around him. And I think that, and I'll speak for myself, and I believe it's true for most all of us, that as we find ourselves now, our challenge, one of the greatest challenges that we face is making sure that our perspective is still that of a spiritual perspective and not of a worldly perspective. I believe that one of the greatest challenges that we're facing now as believers is being able to keep our focus on God. Because if the enemy, our enemy, if he cannot keep us from claiming Jesus as our Savior and Lord, then the next best thing to him is to dance in the peripherals of our relationship with him and to get our focus off of Jesus Christ and onto things of this world. Because that lessens our effectiveness. That lessens us in our relationship with Jesus. Anyone in here other than me have difficulty focusing on your relationship with Jesus Christ? Like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's tough. Because the devil wants to make sure. He wants to get our focus off of him and he wants to distract us. So let's read in 1 Thessalonians. Chapter five. And when we get into places like this, I believe that it's critically important for us to return back to the foundations of our faith. First Thessalonians chapter five, starting with verse fourteen. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything. Hold fast what is good. And abstain from every form of evil. Pray with me if you would this morning. Father, We're grateful that you love us. Father, we're forever indebted to you for your son's sacrifice. And Father, I just ask that right now as we as we walk through this time and this journey, uh, that God, that you would give us strength. And God, we know that one of the ways that you strengthen us is through your word. And God, I pray that as we spend time in your word this morning, That you would use it to strengthen us, to comfort us, to bring peace and challenge us and convict us at the same time. Father, I pray that the hearts and the minds and the ears of the listeners would be open to your word this morning. And I pray that you would use me, use my voice to articulate your message the way that you would have it spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the statements that we've repeated over and over and over for these past three weeks is one that, a statement of Matt Chandler's, which says that it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And we've addressed, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but we've addressed the way, the stance, the 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 way that the church handles and has handled in the past maybe these issues of mental and emotional struggles and instead of just approaching it from the standpoint of oh just get over it or fix it that we take a little bit more of a biblical approach to it because the Bible talks about in a lot of detail the way that we are to be healthy mentally, emotionally, spiritually holistically now we would be i would be remiss to say that that's not the end goal for mental and emotional health right is to fix it to to get over it that's kind of the end goal that's kind of what we want but we've been opening up and talking about how there's different ways different steps different means that you can do and and the steps that you need to take and actions that need to happen in order for the this journey of health to really get going and, you know, we talked about us being a spiritual place. You know, that's, that's the area that we concentrate on as a church. We've, and, and we still want to encourage you, if you're struggling with mental illness, with, the, with this emotional issues, guys, reach out, get help, talk to someone, make an appointment, see a counselor, talk to your doctor, do those things, please. Because guess what? Getting over it and fixing it also includes those steps, and they're not steps of weaknesses. Amen? They're not steps of weaknesses. But one of the biggest steps from a spiritual standpoint that we can take is returning back to a foundation that is strong. The foundation that is built, that is Jesus Christ, incarnate, born, grown, dead, resurrected, still living, and returning. That's the foundation. Sometimes we need to make sure that what we're standing on is that foundational piece and the instructions that he gives us. You see, we run into three instructions here in this passage, and we find them in verses 16, 17, and 18. And I'm going to I'm going to kind of talk about all three of these somewhat this morning. There's no way that I could get um, and, and do these three points justice, so. I'm I'm going to say that I'm I'm holding the right to come back to these at some point um, and preach on these. It's either me kind of hit the highlight version of them now and then come back to them later, or I can talk for about an hour and a half this morning. Do you all have a vote? Yeah, the uncomfortable laughter. of. All right, so let's look at these three points. Verse 16 says, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. And number 18, or verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. And then verse 18 concludes, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. A couple of critical phrases there in that passage. In Christ Jesus. These are biblical commands that we just read. None of them are possible in your life outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ and outside of a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if it would say, rejoice sometimes, pray often, and then be thankful in the good moments, hey, I can knock those out of the park. And I need no help. But that's not what it says. So, rejoice always, pray without ceasing and giving thanks in all circumstances. These are three foundational commands. These are three entry-level Christianity-style commands that this is what we're built on and this is what we should be. Folks, I want to encourage you this morning by telling you that you are here You are where you are by the providence and the sovereignty of God. We are not here by mistake. We are not living in this time by mistake. We are not living in this hour as a whoopsie. God has placed you exactly where he has you sovereignly, providentially for such a time as this for his glory and for your good. Now, the question that I had to answer this week with that revelation that God has me exactly where he wants me, in the exact place, at the exact time, in the exact situation, in the exact moment that he desires, if that's true, how am I doing with that? I also want to make the statement to you this morning of, I don't know, If there's ever been a time when I've been alive that the bar has been any lower to be a good example as a Christian is what it is right now. I don't know if it's ever been any lower. Love people. Love God. Be kind. Show mercy. Extend grace. Share the gospel. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Three really foundational, elementary commands from God. But I think that there's been a lot of people that have substituted this, these three commands, with three other characteristics in their Christian walk. Instead of Rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks in all circumstances. I think that the church overall and Christ's followers overall have become angry, we've become suspicious, and we've become cynical. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that for the most part, when non believers and outsiders from not only this church, but the church altogether, and, and let's just say Christianity as a whole, when non-Christians look at the Christian community instead of seeing rejoicing, prayer, and thankfulness, I think what they see mainly is anger, suspicion, and cynicism. And that's not the will of God. Verse 18 says, for this is the will of God. Another way that that word will, because I think that sometimes we think of the will of God, and it's just kind of like this timeline in our lives that is just so rigid. It's, it's, no, no spoiler alerts, but if you've watched the series Loki, it's like, you know, it's like the time variant, you know, the TVA thing going on there. But this word will can actually also be translated desire. For this is God's desire for your life, that you rejoice always, that you pray without ceasing, and that you give thanks in all circumstances. Because as believers, we have to understand that the predominant message of our life, the world sees that as the gospel. Now, don't, under, don't misunderstand me. There can be a big difference between our gospel and the gospel. But as a representative of Christ, when we wave that banner and that flag, identifying ourselves as Christians, as Christ followers, then the predominant message of our life is what non-believers are going to associate with being the gospel. How are you doing with that? When people have conversations with you, do they walk away with the mindset that, hey, this, this person finds joy. This person spends time in prayer. This person is thankful. This person's talking about heaven. This person's talking about the goodness of God. This person's talking about the love and the mercy and the grace of God. Or do they find someone who's angry, suspicious, cynical, focusing on everything that's happening around them, on an earthly level, on a fleshly level, instead of setting our minds on things above. How are you doing with that? Now, listen, rest assured, these questions are not easy questions, they're hard questions, but also rest rest assured that I've had to answer these same questions this week. So that feel-good stuff I'm giving you right now is that same feel-good stuff that I've had to answer this week. I've not done the greatest with it. And that has to change. Change. If you're in here as a believer of Jesus Christ, as a blood-bought child of God, then if you are not showing forth the true gospel of Jesus Christ, number one, repent. Repent. Number two, stop. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And be thankful in all circumstances. So I want us to look really quickly. So how how do we do this? Okay, It's really easy for us to be angry. It's really easy for us to be suspicious. It's really easy for us to be cynical. Because those things just kind of come naturally in the flesh, don't they? I, I typically have to fight harder not to be those things than what I have to fight to be them. So let's look at 16, 17, 18 here in this passage, at these three foundational pieces, these characteristics that Paul's writing about here. Verse 16: Rejoice always. Christie, if you would, to give me that slide, Matthew 5, 11 and 12. This is Jesus here talking on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you. When people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica that we're reading from here, this is his first letter. This is a young church this full of new believers. And they're beginning to face persecution for what they are believing They're facing the threat of physical harm, of danger, of death. And on that note, please, please do not forget to pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and the Middle East that are facing terrible, terrible situations right now. But they're being persecuted. And Paul begins to write this letter, and he's writing this letter addressing all of these things as he moves through chapters 1 through 4. And it's talking about a persecuted church, and he's beginning to give them this instruction. And one of the instructions that he gives them to deal with what they're facing in this life is keep your eyes focused on God. Keep your perspective in a heavenly way. Keep it in check, and don't get lost in all of the distractions that this earth is surrounding you with. But rejoice always. Now listen, verse 16 out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 used to be one of my two favorite verses. You want to know why? Of course you do, right? I mean, I wouldn't have asked if you didn't. It's because as a kid, it was a really easy memorization verse. I got some gold stars because of this verse. Rejoice always. The other was Jesus wept. That was, my, that was my next favorite. Rejoice always. What does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean that we just walk around with a smile on our face? Does that just mean that you know everything is just we're always in a great mood, nothing ever affects us? No. Uh, again, as a kid, I loved this verse because I you know, had this easy memorization of it, but I had zero understanding of it, and this is, I, at one point, as I was trying to explain to one of my friends what this, I remember I was on the church bus trying to explain what this verse meant to one of my buddies in youth group. And I told him, I said, well, rejoice always is like kind of, well, I think it kind of means, and then I went to a movie association. And for those of you lame 80s movies fan, you may, you may recognize this one, but there was a, a film franchise called Breaking. It was about break dancing. It's breaking one and breaking two electric boogaloo. That was my favorite. So I thought, man, rejoicing always is like me constantly in a state of breakdancing. Get it out of your head. Don't try to imagine it. Okay? That's dangerous. The only thing you need to know now is I try not to break dance because when I do, I definitely break. <laughs> Hips, bones, knees out of joint, everything. But I, that's kind of what I was associating it with for some. I, I never said I was the most intelligent of young people. OK, let's just But there's a difference. I, w- I want us to, to talk about a difference between always and only for just a minute. Here's the example I want to you. Rejoice always, because we know it's not realistic to walk around in a constant state of rejoicing, because that's not the only emotion that we experience, right? And we know that Jesus experienced anger. We know that Paul experienced these low points where he was weeping. And we know that Jesus felt sadness. We see all these biblical characters, so we know it's not just like a eh, this fake rejoicing all of the time. But it's the difference between always and only. You see, I am always Kim's husband. Not just when she's around, not just when we're at home, not just when we're in the car, not just when I want to be, I'm always Kim's husband. But I'm not only Kim's husband, because I'm Rachel's father also. Now, I'm Rachel's father always. Not just when she's here. Not just when she's eating all the food out of my refrigerator. Not just when I get the phone call about the car's broken down again. I'm not only Rachel's father in those moments. I'm always her father. I'm always your pastor. But I'm not only your pastor whenever you need me or whenever you're here on Sunday morning, or whenever I'm standing up here preaching, I'm always your pastor, but I'm not only that. You see, there's multiple hats. And, and, and many of you, I'm always a teacher. I'm always a nurse. I'm always a doctor. I'm always a salesman. I'm always, insert here. You see, those are what we always are, but we're not only those things. And as we look and we see rejoice always, we also need to understand that always doesn't mean equally either. Now, I've said it so many times, and going back to this same example, I've said it so many times, and I will continue, hopefully, to articulate this, of how grateful I am to be your pastor. I'm always your pastor, but there are times that I'm not equally your pastor as I am other things. Because like I said, I'm Kim's husband. I'm Rachel's father. And I'm always all three of those things. But I'm not equally those things. If there comes a time that for whatever reason that I would have to value one over the other, being Kim's husband and Rachel's father is a priority in my life. And I, I, I hope that's okay. doesn't take away how much I love you, how much this is an honor and a privilege, the greatest one that I could even think of in my life in ministry. Rejoicing always doesn't mean that if we find ourselves in a different place emotionally that we're not joyful at the same time. The best, here, here's, here's a great example of that. And, and I hate to do this, but we've all lost loved ones that are really close to us. And most of us have experienced the loss of someone that we care for deeply who is also a believer. We're grieving over that person, losing that person, but isn't there also an underlying sense of joy because they're with Jesus now? And isn't there also... In the same moments of grieving that you can go, in the same moments with tears flowing down your face from grief, you can also be laughing because you're also thinking about the memories that you have of that person. Rejoicing always doesn't mean that we have to fake this thing. Rejoicing always doesn't mean that we always have to sweep everything under the rug because, church, we're not in a place we can do that anymore. If we want to follow God and if we want our relationship with Christ to be healthy and we want to make an impact in this world, us brushing things like mental and emotional health under the rug, acting like they're not there, they're non-existent any longer, we can't do that. But that doesn't mean just because we're struggling with something that we can't rejoice at the same time. It is where is your joy established? That's what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 5. Just saying, listen, even though you may be persecuted, rejoice in me because there's a heavenly reward that awaits you. It's the perspective thing, it's the focus thing. Next says to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing, Luke 11, 9, and 10. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, find. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. This is Jesus talking about persistence in prayer. Making sure that you are being persistent in prayer. Now, I'm going to give you a couple revelations this morning. Number one. Jesus can hear your prayers when your eyes are open. Okay? Don't test that too often. He can hear your prayers with your eyes open. Because I used to think, how am I supposed to pray without ceasing when I'm driving? Holy Spirit, I'm just going to trust you. Some of y'all drive that way. I'm not going to mention any names or anything, but. This pray without ceasing, without ceasing, this phrasing in the Greek language, it would also, they would have referred to it, they would have used this same descriptive language for a hacking cough. For like a consistent cough that you can't get rid of. Anybody ever had that? Now, do you cough every second of every day when you have that? No. But is your focus on that cough? Yeah, it's kind of the same thing with hiccups. You don't hiccup constantly, but oh my gosh, it's hiccups. And then you find yourself like standing on top of your head trying to drink water because you've heard that works. You've got family members who are taking cheap shots trying to scare you because, hey, this is their chance, right? It's not a every second of every day Moment by moment by moment, I'm always in prayer. But what it is, is it's a constant awareness of this need of connection with our Heavenly Father. This need of communication with Jesus. That that is what is first and foremost in our mind. Pray without ceasing. And then verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances... Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always. Okay, we just talked about this always thing. I can, I can, I can swallow that one. That one's okay. And for everything? Everything? Yes, everything. So I'm... I'm I'm supposed to thank God for the bad things? No, we don't thank God for the bad things, but we thank God for his provision in the bad things. The Romans 8, 28, that all things will work together for the good, for those who love him, those that are called by his purposes. Remember, you are strategically placed, providentially, by a sovereign God, at this time, in this moment, in this Terrible situation at times for a reason, for a purpose, because God desires, God desires this rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks in all circumstances for His glory and for your good. Church, that's why we're here. It's why we're in this moment. For His glory, for our good. I want to ask the praise team if they would to come back up this morning. Remember, I told you last week that you know one of the things that I do when I have a question, especially that of a spiritual nature, um, I'll ask the Holy Spirit. I'll just sometimes verbally ask, Holy Spirit, is is this right? Is this the truth? Is this correct? Is this what you want? And what I'm finding in my life that I have to do is also in these moments when I find myself more on a 9 out of 10 on that scale instead of a 1 out of 10 on that scale of breaking, is I find myself consistently asking the Holy Spirit, help me to rejoice always. Holy Spirit, help me to pray without ceasing. Help me to be thankful in these circumstances that we live in today. Because my first My first inclination is to be angry. My first inclination is to be cynical and to be suspicious. And I can't afford that anymore. Church, we can't afford that anymore. We can't afford a body that's angry, that's suspicious, and that's cynical. Because not only does it ruin our witness and our influence with the world it divides the body of Christ. It divides the body of Christ when we're angry, when we're cynical, and when we're suspicious. Because then we start looking at people instead of brothers and sisters, we start looking at them through a lens of agree or disagree. Do they agree with me or do they disagree with me? And it's killing the unity in our churches so the practical step from all of this holy spirit help me to rejoice always because that's not my natural it's not my natural inclination help me to pray without ceasing because i don't do well with that holy spirit help me to be thankful in all of my circumstances because we still serve a good god